Welcome to Multifamily Live. I'm Kaylee Arusi. And I'm Jason Arusi. Our mission is to help you unlock your full potential as a multifamily real estate investor. So you can do more deals, bigger deals, with less stress, keep more profit, and free up your time. Multifamily doesn't have to be a mystery. It's time to go live. Aloha, everyone. Welcome back. I am super excited with our next guest. I want to introduce you, everybody, to the cash flow expert and anti-financial advisor, Chris Miles. Hey, how's it going? (laughs) Chris, welcome to the show. So, Chris is a leading authority teaching entrepreneurs and professionals how to get their money working for them today, not yesterday, today. He is an author, podcast host of the Chris Miles Money Show, which Jason, my amazing husband, has already been on and has been featured in a ton, a ton of publications. So Chris, welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to be here. Yes. So how did you become the cash flow expert and the anti-financial advisor. Oh, easy by not doing that stuff, right? <laughs> <laughs> so almost 20 years ago, I actually, I, I, my intention was to become a business consultant, right? Um, but I figured if I was going to be a business consultant, shouldn't I have real life business experience? So the first business opportunity that came my way that I didn't realize they'd take anybody off the street that could pass a little test was being a financial advisor, right? And so, and sadly, it took me like five times to pass that stupid test, you know, so um, I became a financial advisor almost 20 years ago, like the typical mainstream person that tells you to save everything, spend nothing, save it in mutual funds and save it forever. So hopefully someday you might have something, right? All that kind of junk that you always hear. Uh, But, uh, you know, so I, I enjoy teaching people. I enjoy talking about money and learning about it myself. But I'll tell you, I also like evidence, right? Like I like to know that there's proof that things work. And I'll tell you, like, as I got, I started, so I came in like during like Y2K, you know, after 9-11 and stuff. And as I started to see people come to me that had worked with financial advisors for decades, they weren't much better off financially. They were still in the rat race, right? They weren't financially free at all. And, and that kind of bugged me. But again, when your pocketbook's tied to it, you're, you kind of have this dilemma just saying, oh, well, maybe they did something wrong, right? You try to excuse it away. Well, eventually, after about four years, I remember I had a guy that I trained to be a financial advisor that he then left to go do real estate investing, right? And, uh, and so he comes back, you know, we're talking on the phone, you know, four, uh, four months later after he left to do that. This was the end of 2005. And, uh, and I said, hey, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. How are things going? How, how's the new real estate venture going? And I'm expecting him to say, yeah, not great. We're not really making any money. And I would say, great, come back to work for me and, and get rid of this dumb dream stuff, right? Well, it was the exact opposite. He said, man, it's awesome. Like my dad has doubled his income as a professor at the local university. I'm like, wait, your dad doubled his income in, in the last four months? Because it was just August that I talked to you and now it's December. You're telling me he's doubled his income. Yeah, he has. I'm like, come on, that's, that's too good to be true, right? You know, all that kind of stuff that you hear, right? Um, especially in the real estate space, we hear it all the time. It's like, well, does that really work? Well, that's what he, that's what I was saying. I was like, come on, really? And he's like, no, man, like it's actually working. You know, I'm doing this and this. And, and so we got this debate about what's better stocks or real estate. And then finally he just stopped me. He said, Chris, how many of your clients are actually financially free where they don't worry about money, not retired, but not worrying about money. They feel free. I said, well, none, none of them, you know, 
It's like, well, great. Good job, Chris. Uh, I'm glad you're helping them out so much. Um, how about this, Chris? If, if anybody's got this figured out, it's financial advisors. So how many of you guys that you know are financially free? And I know you've got some of those guys that worked in there since the late 70s. How many of them are financially free? Not off the, the commissions they're earning, but actually investing and buying these mutual funds. And so I had to think about it. I was like, well, okay, not off the commissions, the mutual funds. Got it. None, maybe one guy. And I found out later that guy wasn't either. He, when he lost his job, he was scrambling for work. He was all show, right? And so I'm like, okay, great. You got me. So what? Um, what, what should I do? He's like, I'm not going to tell you because you're not even open. I'm like, you just got me to admit that there's some holes here. Like, give me something. So he finally just said, Chris, if you're really serious, go read this book, Who Took My Money by Robert Kiyosaki. It's a, it's a lesser known rich dad book that says mutual funds stink, right? That's pretty much, you know, three hours saved right there. Mutual funds are horrible and here's why. Um, and then he's like, and then go listen to this AM talk radio show that these two, uh, you know, local real estate investors are, are doing. And so I started tuning in the radio show. I read that book and I was like, okay, you know, a few months later, I just said, I'm done. I can't keep teaching this stuff and stay in integrity anymore. I will never teach about money again. I will just, you know, do mortgages. I'll be a mortgage broker still. And then I'll teach ballroom dancing because little known fact I was one of the nation's top amateur ballroom dancers at the time. Awesome. Right? So I was going to do that, but it drove me nuts that these guys knew things I did. And there's guys retiring in their twenties and thirties. I'm like, how did they do it? So I tried to learn what they did. And long story short, you know, by later that summer of 2006, I was also financially independent where I didn't have to work anymore. I was 28 years old. And I'm like, what am I going to do with my life? You know, who am I going to be when I grow up? And so, you know, eventually in 2007, I came out of retirement, teach people how to get out of the rat race. Um, went through the recession because I started gambling with my real estate. I got a little overconfident. It was back in the rat race again. I was over a million dollars in debt, but I was able to dig my way back out and finally was able to be financially independent once again at, by the end of 2016. And, uh, and that's where I am today has been teaching people, you know, the alternate choice, like how to do the opposite of what financial advisors are teaching, where you don't have to pay off all your debt, like Dave Ramsey says, where you won't be free anyways, because those people always come to me after they pay off their debt saying, I have no passive income, now what, right? Or, you know, doing the same thing that advisors are saying, put in mutual funds, but mutual funds don't create cash flow. So that's the big thing. It's, it's, it's been driving me ever since, even though I'm financially independent, I can't stop. Can't stop, won't stop, don't need to stop. And I love what you said that you couldn't go back and teach what you were teaching with integrity because you knew yeah. now that it doesn't work that way. And I love, mm -hmm. love hearing your real estate friend, how he like kind of just reeled you in with proof. It was so cruel. It was so cruel. <laughs> <laughs> those those people who are not in real estate that don't know about it, it could sound cruel, especially when you're like, mm -hmm. I have exactly what you mean, but you need to be listening. You need to listen to what I have to say, and then you need to implement. And mm -hmm. I love how you went through and you kind of breeze through this, but a lot of people who aren't in real estate, who's who are scared to get into it, to become yeah. financially free, have that mindset of like, oh, what about, what about, you know, a lot of my friends went through that crash. Well, mm -hmm. talk to my friend, Chris Miles. Yeah, you mm -hmm. breezed through that. But I'm sure when you were in the nitty gritty of it, mm -hmm. it felt like, I know for a lot of people I've talked to, it felt like rock bottom. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was, it was well, it's like a double whammy for me, right? Because not only was I suffering financially, I was even going on welfare just to try to make ends meet, right? But I was the guy that was supposed to have the answers. I was trying to teach people how to do it. And, and kind of go along, with that, go along with that integrity thing, right? Like I actually stopped teaching people how to get out of the rat race by 2008 because when I found myself back in it, 
I'm like, well, I can't teach this because then I feel like a charlatan, right? I feel like I'm, I'm just bogus. So I actually switched my message a little bit. I started switching to what I was doing, which was being resourceful. Um, you know, how to find the cash to then go and invest or to pay off your debts or whatever it might be, um, which was interesting because that actually kind of created this whole well-rounded type of uh, strategy type of, of plan, right? Because it wasn't just about taking money and investing it. It was about how to find the money, how to take, how to get out of prison, so to speak, right? How to get more money working for you so you can start working less for money, right? And, uh, and that's, and that was great. It was perfect. Like it was exactly the way it needed to be. It was horrible to go through it. Cause it was a good, you know, year and a half to two years of me really just, I mean, I remember like uh, April, 2009, you know, like the week before my fourth child was born, um, you know, I get a knock on the door and the guy says, Hey, I just bought your house at the, the, the courthouse just a half hour ago. When can you get out? I paid cash for it. And I'm like, we're about to have a baby. Like we, we, we don't even have a place to stay. Cause you know, back then it was, it was a bear, it was a Lehman brothers type of loan. Right. So if that tells you anything, uh, wasn't great because they wouldn't even accept short sales. Um, so, so I eventually got foreclosed on. And so I, I convinced them to give me two more weeks so we could have a baby and then have a week to move out while my wife's going through postpartum. Right. Cause perfect time. Um, you know, I paid them like 2000 bucks just to rent for him for two weeks before, you know, so we could buy some time and it was hard. Like, you know, and then trying to move into a new place and, you know, my wife's crying and everything else. I mean, it was a hard, hard time to go through. Um, but it was also character developing. Right. And you would think, out of all people, you think I would be the one that would be scared of real estate. Mm-hmm. And you know what? To be honest, I was. Like, I was scared to get back in. So I missed some of the upswing. But by like the mid 10s, you know, I was like, okay, I'm ready to do it again. But let's do it right this time. Let's stop focusing on gambling on appreciation, which is what I had made the mistake before. I was trying to just get rich quick with more and more money because I made it work a few times. Now I was going for the like sexy is boring, right? Or boring is sexy, really. It's like, I want just regular, stable, consistent cash flow coming in all the time. You know, you don't see people out there telling you, hey, you know what? You can make 50,000, 100,000 this transaction, you know, on this flip or whatever. You know, it's like, no, I think sexy is I can make 300 bucks a month on this door. You know, like that to me is now sexy, right? Yes, that's super sexy. Like that, like that to me has like, that's like a little, like, I don't know, sparkly high heels. Uh-huh. Sparkly high heels would be to Gucci, like some right? women. I I hear like three hundred bucks a deal. I'm like, what? Where's where's that? Show me where that is. So let's yeah. let's dig back into that. Like you, you're teaching from what you know. So at some point, you taught financial literacy from the classes that you had taken, and mm-hmm. then you found out that it was incorrect. So you yeah. did. Two thousand eight happens everyone gets the rule rug pulled out, out out from under them you were actually one of the the people with integrity that stopped teaching the old way learned and took the step forward to teach what was right now so i want you to dig in into what you mean by being resourceful you dug a little bit into it like how do you find that money how do you find the rentals dig into imagine i'm one of your clients i'm like what do i do now i have I've been working my nine to five. Maybe yeah. I have something saved. I have a 401k. I have all these things happening. I'm actually well-rounded to like mm-hmm. the normal person, but I am working and I'm in the rat race. What do you have to say to me? Yeah. You know, it depends on where you have to start, but if you're going to start anywhere, it's, it's the things I started teaching were like, like in my ebook that I have on moneyripples.com called beyond rice and beans, seven secrets to free up cash today. 
um, like kind of slap at Dave Ramsey, right? Because, <laughs> you know, I don't want people to live on live in scarcity, right? Like you should still enjoy your life. You shouldn't be living on rice and beans because, you know, give me an example. I mean, I he actually heard this during the time I was suffering, right? I, I, I would tune in to hear Dave Ramsey kind of like, it's kind of like, I want to listen to see what my enemy's talking about, right? Now, now I'll back up a little bit. He's not a horrible guy. I think he's blessed so many lives, right? Um, but when you've already got past remedial finance, you know, not even 101, it's like before 101, right? It's remedial, it's like 99. You know, when you get past finance 99, Dave Ramsey doesn't really serve you much anymore, right? He's just good at doing budgets, helping you get out from being in the hole, you know? Well, I remember somebody called in and this guy was like, you know, hey, I've been, I've been listening to your show. I've been trying to do everything you can. But in the last two years, I've only paid off $93,000 of my debt. And I'm thinking in my mind, like, why is he saying only? That's amazing. This is great. And, uh, and then he starts going on and on and saying, like, it's like, yeah, I've been doing everything he's been. I've, I've got that second job delivering pizzas. You know, I've, I've, I've cut back everything. I've even been living on rice and beans every single day. And, and then Dave Ramsey goes, whoa, 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 hold on. You've been eating rice and beans every single day? He's like, yeah, you, sit, you tell people to live on rice and beans. So I've been doing that, living on rice and beans to save money on my food costs. He's like, he starts laughing. He's like, no, that's, that's not what I mean at all. It's a figure of speech. He's like, you still should get things like vegetables and things like that. Like, it's just to get people to stop spending blowing money. And then it's dead silent on the air for like five seconds. And it felt like forever. And then finally, the, the guy says, well, I did. And that's the kind of destructive behaviors that come out of this, right? You don't want that kind of scarcity. So, so when I say that, like, you don't want to go overboard with this, uh, but you do want to do things. So, like, one of the first things I started doing when I was going through my troubles, and this is in the book, too, is I started tracking my money. But it wasn't just tracking about what I spent. It was also tracking what I earned. Because I'll tell you, the saver mindset, which is also in scarcity and never becomes financially free, savers are also, are also losers, right? Because they can never save enough. They can never pay off their debt fast enough. They're never winning in their minds. Well, they always ignore what they make, but they hyper-focus on their expenses. While spenders do the opposite. They're also not free, but they're hyper-focused on what they make, but ignore what they're spending. You need to do both. As a steward, which is right in the middle where there's abundance, steward takes the best of the spender and the saver and puts it into one and says, hey, what's the best use of my money? How can I get this full picture, this full flow of my money, of money coming in and going out? And so, yeah, we look at expenses. We look at what's not productive and what's not working for us, and we eliminate that. We get rid of it. You know, do we look at things to reduce costs? Do we look at things to, you know, like people that still pay for cables? Like, come on, you know, with streaming television, you can get do way cheaper than have Xfinity or Comcast. Sorry if that's one of your sponsors on the show. That'd be horrible. But uh, no, good. not at all. <laughs> but you know, but yeah, look for that kind of stuff, right? Um, you know, even debt. You know, that's another point I bring up there too. I actually tell people not to fear debt, but do respect it. Yeah, but if you're going to pay off debt, a lot of debt we don't want to pay off. Like there's great debt. I mean, when I look at a mortgage, I just talked to somebody today where, you know, they're out in Canada and it's like, well, listen, with your mortgage, we could refinance it and probably free up several hundred a month, if not over a thousand a month. We could reduce that cost. And then on top of it, we can even get equity out because they had tons of equity. We can go and invest that. You can actually get equity out of it and pay no more on your mortgage payment. And now let's say it's making you an extra, you know, in their case, is about another 40000 a year. On top of that, that's pretty cool for no money out of pocket, right? Um, you know, and then, of course, like, are we looking at other places we're locked up in prison? What about money that's sitting in savings, doing nothing? What about money sitting in your 401ks or IRAs, which suck, by the way? Like, even if you get a company match, just know that that match 
only adds long-term a compounded interest about two or three percent. That's it. Not 100% return. Trust me, if all the people that say it's 100% return, Chris, I've done the math. No, you haven't. Put in a calculator, put in a compound interest calculator right now. What you're putting in there, put a hundred and say eight percent. We'll put eight percent of the market, hundred percent returns, and put that for 20 years. A hundred thousand, if you do that for 20 years, you'll see it into the billions. You'll be about rich as Bezos. Do you really think plenty of people who've been getting a match of their 401k are richer than Bezos right now? You never see anybody show up on anything saving in their 401ks. You can never save your way to wealth, and it doesn't grow that much. It, so again, it only makes you two or three percent. That barely pays the fees on an administrative fees of a 401k, and not even paying the taxes. So that's a joke, you know. And and again, you know, remember, I was a financial advisor. I was telling people to live on. I kind of derailing a little bit, but this is still kind of the same thing, right? But you know, when people keep putting money into these mutual funds, understand that the reason that none of my clients can become financially free is because of the methodology of what you're supposed to do with it. Because you're supposed to save and save and save like a little squirrel hoarding up your nuts, right? And then eventually someday you're supposed to pull out money, but you don't pull out interest only. So you don't run out of money in the future. And with inflation and everything else, they tell you pull out less than the interest. Now, back in the day, we used to say it was a 4% rule, right? And there's still this whole fire, you know, financially independent, retire early movement going on with the millennials right now. Well, that's bullcrap. They're still telling you 4%. We already proved 15 years ago from a traditional model, 4% wasn't going to last. It's going to be more like two or three percent at most. So think of this: say, say you happen to save up, and by the way, the market has only actually yielded about eight point three percent in the last thirty years. So say that you actually get that return, you finally get lucky enough to get up to a million bucks. Now you have to live on three percent. You just went from a million; you're a millionaire who's now living on thirty thousand a year. You are living below poverty, right? It's ridiculous. You know, thirty thousand a year, and that's before you pay taxes. So maybe you're lucky to keep two thousand a month. Think about it; like you are broke as a millionaire. See, but these are the things that they're not teaching. They're not telling you. I mean, maybe it's a oh. little louder now, but like when you used to teach, this is not what you used to teach, and you bought into the system. So mm-hmm. how can we be louder? Maybe this would be a good yeah. time for you to share your podcast with my listeners because learning these things now and learning what you can do financially to set, well, just to set yourself up now. Cause it sounds like what you do is a balance of all these things. Yes. Live within your means or maybe even below for a little bit if you have to, but don't, don't just eat rice and beans like that poor guy. I mean, it just made me think to myself, we should as people that are trying to teach, we have to watch what we say. So yeah. Dave Ramsey, if you're listening to this, that poor rice and beans guy, I hope yeah. he started eating salad and some protein. <laughs> so how do you teach this? And how do you get this word out to those that absolutely need it? Well, that's why I'm here right now, right? I mean, that's why I'm on your show. That's why I have my own show, The Chris Miles Money Show. I mean, it's I'm really trying to spread that message. That's even though I'm financially independent myself, I can't, like you said, I can't stop, won't stop, don't stop, right? Because, you know, I, I still, now I am semi-retired. I do only work maybe t- now it's boosted up to like 25 to 30 hours a week. But I mean, still like that's a big mission because I understand why it's so hard because remember as a financial advisor, I, w- I was playing with the numbers. And I remember seeing like if I put in 3% inflation and if I put in the real return of the stock market, I didn't learn that until about 2005 right? Like about the average versus actual returns. You know, when the market goes down, the 
actual return and the average differ. Average is always going to be higher because, for example, if you've probably heard this example before where say you have $100,000 in the stock market, you lose 50%, so minus 50, right? You're now down to 50,000. Mm -hmm. Now, I used to think as a financial advisor, if you want to get back to 100,000, you need to make 50%, right? But that's not true. That only gets you to 25,000 of that 50, that gets you to 75,000. You need to, instead, well, after you lose 50%, you need to make 100% just to break even, right? You lose 10, you need to make 11.1. You lose 20, you need to make 25. You lose 33, you need to make 50 and so on, right? So what's interesting though, is if you lose 50 and you add 100 to just hit zero, right? And that's before fees come out. So you'll actually have less than zero. But even if you're at zero, your average minus 50 plus 100 is 50 divided by two years is a 25% average rate of return. So when they tell you the stock market has averaged 10 or 12%, that's based on those numbers. They don't give you the actual yield, like which would have been like 0% of that example. They, the, the, average, the actual yield, if you actually put in a calculator to make it work, like I said, for the last 30 years, has been about 8.3%. By the way, that's on the high end. That's the highest I've ever seen it because we've had 12 up years in a row. I mean, how crazy is that? We don't see those kind of numbers, right? That just doesn't happen. We've averaged in the last 10 years, by the way, um, or really the last 12 years, it's averaged about 15% a year. That's almost double that long-term average. What has to happen for this to come back into balance, right? So, so understand that these numbers, when I started putting in 8% instead of 12% in my calculator, right? And I, instead of inflation, I was like, I had to try to lower it to two because I'm like, oh, that looks horrible at 8%. So I'll make one or 2% inflation, which is not real, right? We know that inflation is way higher than that, especially today. And so we start putting in those numbers, it just, it just doesn't add up. And, but contrast that like even if you happen to save up a million bucks i have plenty of clients who've done that i mean like just today like that lady in, in canada right she has about 1.1 million in the stock market right now with her financial advisor charging her one or two percent a year too by the way um asked her if she's beating the stock market she's like no i'm probably barely keeping up if i'm making as much as the stock market i'm like well that's great you're paying him you know maybe twenty thousand a year to make less than stock market returns you know that's awesome um but then i said listen Here's the thing, <laughs> here's the thing, right? Is that if, you know, if we even just get your money to make a 10% preferred return in a, in a syndication or a fund, right? Which there's several out there. In fact, I saw one for self-storage just yesterday. I said, hey, here's one in self-storage, 10% pref. They're actually trying to double, get a 19% IRR over four years, right? So 10%, even if you just got that preferred return, you're instead of living on of that 1.1 million, living on 33,000 a year or less. Now that 1.1 can turn into 110,000 a year. By the way, her cash flow goal is 10,000 a month. I said you're almost, already almost there. If we have any, if we address the equity in your home, that that might actually be able to be enough to bridge the gap. You could retire in the next 12 to 15, 20 months, right? And uh, she's like, okay, I'm gonna have to think about this. I'm like, yeah, I know it seems ridiculous. But it's, it's just easy math. Like it's all about cash flow. And, and that's why when I learned that in 2006, the whole real estate game and how it was all about cash flow, the lid blew off my top. Cause I'm like, holy cow. Like now the guy, like, like people like my dad who I said, hey, you probably won't be able to retire unless you die five years later, you know, with the, because you'll run out of money. Now that, that kind of guy has hope. And, and he was the perfect saver, debt free and everything, right? And he still didn't have enough to last. That's what I'm talking about. That's the kind of stuff that needs to be sung from the rooftops. And that's the drama I keep beating over and over. So you're seeing that from the rooftops. 
at, in your podcast, where mm-hmm. else can people find you? Uh, yeah, just moneyripples.com. That's R-I-P-P-L-E-S.com, right? Um, right there, that's where you can get, even get that ebook to, you know, where you can find cash. You know, average person's found about 34000 a year uh, applying those concepts just with that little free ebook on there. So, folks, take it from me. Get that ebook. Look up Chris Miles. Follow his podcast. Again, that's the Chris Miles Money Show. He is the anti-financial advisor. If you have been listening to anything he's saying, any of the bombs that he just dropped, there are ways even if you're already in it and you're making that cash flow, I'm sure Chris could find ways to boost that even more. So Chris, thank you so very much for coming on our show. Uh, Before I let you go, what is one actionable step that my listeners can take right now? They can close down their, their iPad, their iPhone, whatever they're listening to this on and go take this actionable step. Yeah. Besides firing your financial advisor, if you happen to have one, but if you've already done that, good for you. Um, Otherwise, I would say, look at, look at your assets and liabilities. Look at your net worth. See where is your money being locked up in prison right now? Is it trapped in home equity that because you thought you had to pay off your debt, right? Is it trapped in your IRAs or 401ks or in just savings? Like, is it just sitting there doing nothing? Find ways to get that money out of prison and working for you. So you don't have to keep working for money. So get your money out of prison Thank you so very much, Chris. And thank you to all my listeners. I am so grateful. Aloha, everyone. Want to learn exactly how we're finding high profit, cash flow ready multifamily properties off market? Want to find out how to run lightning fast syndications to raise all the capital you need for your next multi million dollar deal in just a few days? We are breaking down our entire process step by step at a three day event happening June 10th through the 12th called, you guessed it, Multifamily Live. We've done events before, but nothing this massive or this valuable. And for the first time ever, we're going to open the doors and walk you guys through literally every step of what we're doing on our multifamily deals. This is a virtual event, so you don't have to travel or even leave your couch, but spots are limited. Sign up at multifamilyliveevent.com and we'll see you there.